So glad that you're here. Um, we are so glad that you're here. My name is Kyle. I'm the pastor here at Fellowship Church. This is our Pellissippi campus. If you are a guest with us this morning, uh, we are so glad that you joined us. We've got connection cards that have been passed around. You can grab one on the way out. And the uh, connection card just helps us to figure out who you are. We'd like to get to know you. We'd like to get you plugged in. If you take that connection card back to the Gather, Grow, Serve table this morning, we will give you a gift to thank you for being a part of what we do here. And um, also, if you're a guest here this morning, you notice we've got lots of children in here. And um, the reason why we have the children here this morning, this is our family Sunday. So if you've got children today, this is your first Sunday, you're wondering, do we have a place to put the children? We do have a place to put the children, but today we want the children to worship with us. And the reason why we do this periodically is to remind ourselves that Fellowship Church exists to partner with you to disciple your own children. We only get your kids for 52 hours a year. Get the kids for the rest of that time. And so we want you to know that we're here to partner with you to teach your child to be more like Christ. We believe that if we don't teach our kids to follow Christ, the world will teach them not to. And so our goal is to partner with you to helping you raise your children to be more like Jesus. And so we have a family service to bring them in so they get to watch mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and uncles and aunts worshiping together. I don't think there's much stronger message than for a son to watch his dad worship. And also, after the service, kids, listen up. After the service, if you fill out that paper that Christy gave you on the way in, and you take it back to her at the table, she's got a special gift for all of you. So make sure you fill that out completely. You can't leave anything blank. And if you start to color in, you need to color everything. You take it back to Christy, she'll give you a gift for surviving through the service. Also, parents, afterwards, we're gonna have some resources in the back. I'll talk a little bit more about that as well. We are in the middle of our mission series. We launched this church six or seven weeks ago. So if you're a guest here and you're looking around saying, I don't know anybody else, welcome to the club, because we don't know most of you either, and we're getting to know each other as a family. And we talked about, what does it mean for us as a church? What did Jesus mean when he said, I will build my church? We talked about Jesus' mission. From there, we said, okay, if that's what Jesus' mission for the church is, what should we be doing? What should Fellowship Church of Pellissippi be doing? And so we talked about our mission statement. And we talked about how do we accomplish that? We gather together, we grow together, we serve together. And from that point on, Adam helped us last week make a transition from what is Jesus' mission at the church, what is our mission at the church, to what is Jesus' mission to the cross. And today we will continue to follow up on this incredible Palm Sunday to the cross. Now I can tell you this about me. I'm very ordinary I'm just very ordinary. I kind of have that look about me. Like if you stood other guys on the stage with the same jeans and shirt, you'd think it was me if you cut their hair short enough. I don't get like a fancy haircut, although I've been told I should. But I've always been very ordinary. When I was in school, I wasn't the first guy done with my paper, but I wasn't the last. On the soccer field, I wasn't the best player, but I wasn't the worst. I'm not the best dancer. I'll leave it at that. But in general, I'm just ordinary. As a matter of fact, not only am I ordinary, I've got ordinary stuff. I drive an ordinary car. There's probably 10,000 other cars in Knoxville just like mine. I live in an ordinary house. As a matter of fact, if you came into my neighborhood, there are other houses in my neighborhood with the exact same floor plan as my house. Just very ordinary. You've got ordinary stuff, right? Okay, girls, raise your hand if you've got a favorite stuffed animal at home. Yeah, you got a favorite stuffed animal at home. Let me tell you something about that stuffed animal. Your stuffed animal, I hate to break it to you, is ordinary. 
all right? Grandma went to the Toys R Us, and she's looking at all of the purple unicorns with rainbow tails, and she picked one out for you. The bad news is there's 50 of those unicorns. Grandma picked that one because there was a price tag on it. She didn't want to have to wait in line for a price check. So she grabbed that unicorn and brought it to you. She could have picked any of those unicorns. She picked that one. But then something happened. That unicorn came home with you. You took that unicorn, and you, you had adventures with the unicorn, right? You, you built play forts. You went to outer space. You had a tea party. Maybe it broke its leg or its horn. All of a sudden, you take something that's very ordinary, and you make something special out of it. You do something special with it. Boys, you know the same thing, right? Okay, I bring home a bag of Legos. I dump them on the floor. All those Legos are the same. They're just ordinary blocks. They're squares. They're cubes. They're rectangles. They're just ordinary. But then you build a clone carrier out of it, right? With the detachable speedster. Or, or maybe you build a Minecraft village. All of a sudden, you take a very ordinary bag of blocks and you do something special with it. Well, today we're going to talk about Jesus. And we're going to talk about how Jesus, on a Palm Sunday many years ago, took some very ordinary things and did something really special with it. So turn your Bibles open to John chapter 12. Adam last week set us up perfectly coming into this. John chapter 12. He was comparing what did it look like for Judas to look at Jesus standing in front of him? What did it look like for Mary with Jesus standing right in front of him? How do we react when we've got Jesus in front of us? How do we see him? And so we go from there and we move into the Palm Sunday passage, which is John chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse 12. I'm going to read this to you. We're going to have it up on the screen. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we've got Bibles at the table in the back. Take one of those with you. It's our gift to you. Put your name in it. Keep it. Bring it every week. Um, we want you to have a Bible. John chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written. Fear not, Zechariah 9.9. Daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb was raised from the dead, and he continues to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done these signs. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Would you pray with me? God, we need your help this morning. We need your help seeing you. We need your help seeing the story. God, thank you for taking ordinary things and turning them into something special. God, I, th I just pray this morning that the children that are in here this morning, that something will impact their lives as well in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's get this picture, all right? Jesus is making his way up to Jerusalem, and he calls all of his disciples aside. He brings them all together, and he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make our walk into Jerusalem. Now, now, Jesus was from the rural areas, so he's making his way into the city, okay? Get that picture of him making his way into the city. And he gathers up two of his disciples, and he says to the disciples, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go on ahead. There's a village outside of Bethpage on the way to Jerusalem, and you will find a donkey tied there. Immediately when you walk in there, you will see this donkey, and next to the donkey, there's a baby donkey. 
And here's what I want you to do. I want you to untie those donkeys, and I want you to bring them back to me because I'm going to ride that donkey into Jerusalem. So, so the disciples get their mission. We don't know exactly which disciples they were, but they get their mission, and they make their way. And as they're walking away, you can envision Jesus saying, hey, guys, one more thing. One more thing. Listen, if somebody says to you, what are you doing with my donkeys? Because they may just say that. Tell them the Lord needs it. Why would Jesus give them that bit of information? Have you ever thought about that? Why was it so important that, that Matthew tells us that piece of the story? So the disciples do what they're told. They go up and they walk into this village. And sure enough, immediately they walk in and there are two donkeys. A mama donkey and a baby donkey. Two ordinary floppy-eared donkeys. I can imagine the, towel, the, the tail on the donkey swatting flies like normal ordinary donkeys do. And so the disciples, they walk up to these ordinary donkeys. You can probably imagine they're like looking around like, is this it? This is the donkey Jesus wants? And they begin to untie it. And they take the donkeys and they begin to walk away. And sure enough, some people come out and say, hey, what are you doing with our donkeys? And now Jesus prepared the disciples. He, they turn back, ah, uh, uh, the Lord needs them. Okay. And they walk off with these donkeys back to Jesus. Now, have you thought about that picture for a moment? Think about that. Okay, so the disciples go in and they get these donkeys. They're like, are they stealing these donkeys? Like, did you ever feel that way? Like, whose donkeys are there? Why would it be so important that Matthew adds that to his description of what happens in this story? Well, let me tell you why. See, throughout all of Rome, throughout all of Jerusalem, and through many kingdoms prior to that, oftentimes the kings or the governors or the precepts would have to make a big announcement to everybody in the kingdom. And they couldn't just tweet it out, right? They couldn't pull their iPhone out and say, okay, the queen's having a birthday. I want you to all celebrate and hit send. They couldn't do that. No, no iPhones. So they had to send a message out to everybody. And so what they would do is they would, they would write on a scroll or they'd have somebody write on a scroll the message. Or they would have a couple of their servants come in and they would say, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go throughout the kingdom and I want you to give them this message. So after he would give them the message, they'd run out. Some of his servants, some of his couriers had horses. So they'd hop on their horses and they'd start to make their way out into the kingdom to spread the message. Some of the servants didn't have horses. Some of the servants didn't have donkeys. And so what they would do is they'd go through the village and they'd look for a donkey and, and they'd just grab a donkey or a horse and hop on the back. And the owners would say, what are you doing with my donkey? And so now there's this collision. The king needs your donkey. And so what the king did is he went ahead and he proclaimed essentially a new law that he called Angaria. This means that the king can ask for any of your property whenever he wants, and you have to give it to him. As a matter of fact, it happened often with livestock. And so this idea was, is if the king needed your horse or your donkey, you could walk up and say, hey, I'm taking your donkey or your horse. And if they say, why are you taking my horse? You can say the king needs it. They can't say anything else. Isn't it interesting that Jesus tells them, tell these people that the Lord needs their donkeys. You see this already? You see the story already opening up? How the king uses his authority to take what he wants and how Jesus is saying, I've got way more authority than that. 
And so these disciples take these floppy-eared donkeys back to Jesus. And, and there's the mama donkey and the baby donkey. And you can imagine that they're putting the blankets up on the mama donkey, right? Because the mama donkey is the strong one. And Jesus walks over, and, and they begin to put blankets on the baby donkey. And Jesus climbs up on the little one. Now, here's something amazing about this donkey. It had never been ridden before. This donkey has never carried a passenger on his back. This was the first mission that ordinary donkey was ever given, and he's going to carry Jesus into Jerusalem. Sit with that a moment. Sit with that a moment. This ordinary donkey, an incredible mission that he had. You know, up until this point, we don't see Jesus riding on the back of animals either. So we see this collection now of Jesus stepping on this horse for the first time in the text. You know, Jesus will ride another horse one day. Revelations tells us it won't be a small, tiny donkey when he comes back riding on that horse. And Jesus climbs up on the back of this little donkey and he begins to walk into Jerusalem. He makes his way into Jerusalem, and Matthew gives us a good picture here. It says in Matthew 21, Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting. So Jesus hops on this little donkey, and quietly he makes his way into the city. Well, well the word begins to spread. The word begins to spread, and the next thing you know, people are running out of their homes, and they're coming up to Jesus, and they're taking their cloaks, they're, they're taking their vests, they're throwing them on the ground so that this little donkey will walk across it through the street. Now, you've seen the old cartoons, right, or maybe the romantic movies. We don't see it anymore. But the husband goes out with the wife, and it's pouring rain, and there's like a puddle on the ground, and they could walk around the puddle, but instead he takes his coat off and ruins his good coat and drops it on the puddle so she can walk across in her high heels. Right? It, it's a sign of, of love and of affection, a sign of honor and hospitality. And, and this is all of a sudden what we see from these people in the crowd. They're taking their coats off. They're, taking this, they're throwing it on the ground and this donkey's walking across it. And people continue to collect behind them. They begin to run behind them. They start shouting. They start doing incredible things. And the next thing you know, a parade breaks out behind a man on the back of an ordinary donkey. Now, I love parades. Raise your hand if you've ever been to the Oak Ridge Christmas Parade. Okay. Okay, there is nothing better that I found yet than the Oak Ridge Christmas Parade, and here's why. Anytime you have aerial distribution of candy, that's a place I want to be, all right? They are, they are launching candy from fire trucks. They are launching candy from little go-karts. They are launch, like, they got everything. They got big bands. At the end, Santa Claus comes up, if you, can lay, if you can wait long enough. Most of us can't. But the best thing about the Oak Ridge Parade is these tiny little go-karts that go zipping around. A couple things. They don't wear helmets. They wear different hats. And the whole time you're thinking, boy, I hope they don't run into each other. And some of us are thinking, some of us are thinking, boy, I hope they don't run into each other. These things are just flying around. They've got like 20 feet to zip these go-karts around all through the street, right? It's, the parade is festive. There's music. There's lights. There's people cheering. There's bags full of candy. They're handing out special stuff. It's a festive, happy, joyful parade. That's why we like parades. 
But you see, parades in Jerusalem were very different. Parades weren't like the Oak Ridge Christmas Parade. You see, parades in Jerusalem were very different. Here's what the parade in Jerusalem looked like. Usually around the time of Passover, many Jews would come back to Jerusalem to celebrate. And sometimes they would get fired up, right? They'd start talking about how Rome is impeding on them, the oppression that they're going through and, and the strife that they have, and they just want to have it to themselves. And so all of a sudden, these conversations start to bubble up about, hey, maybe we should try to get our city back. Hey, wait, maybe we should fight for ourselves. And, and so what they would do every year is they would run a parade through the streets of Jerusalem. Oftentimes, Pontius Pilate, the governor himself, would be in that parade. And here's what that parade looked like. He'd come on this chariot with these huge horses, and he'd come down the center of the street. And behind him, he'd have all of his soldiers. They'd have the brass helmets on. They'd have the equipment on. They'd be walking behind him. And they were not throwing candy. Instead, they were saying, hey, look at us. You do not want to mess with us. Look, look at these horses. Look at these chariots. Look, look at my soldiers. Listen to me carefully. You need to just stay in your place. You see, it was a parade of fear. It was a parade of fear. They were showing off their might. As a matter of fact, oftentimes the ordinary people wouldn't even come to the parade. Because they knew to stay in their houses. Only the dignitaries and those who, who respected Rome would come out. But think about this for a second. Imagine in your cul-de-sac, a couple tanks come down the road with soldiers walking behind them with automatic weapons. What would you do, kids? Get back in the house. That's what a normal parade would look like. It wasn't a parade of festivities. It was a parade of fear. Other parades would come through where if they would go and conquer another kingdom, the warriors would come back and they would drag the enemy behind them. So you would see the enemy being drugged behind them in chains, oftentimes through hooks in their noses, through hooks in their, They would be dragging their enemy with the spoils behind them, saying, look how powerful we are. That was a normal parade. But today, this parade was different. This parade was a man on the back of a donkey making his way into Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All of a sudden, these normal people are standing in the streets and saying, what's going on here? I hear there's a parade coming. They start to ask, who is this guy? A lot of these people don't even know who Jesus is. And so the word spreads. You didn't hear about Jesus? Do you know who he is? He's the guy that, that rubbed mud in the blind man's eyes and he could see. Oh, that's him? Mm -hmm. He was the one, the woman was sick and she just touched Jesus and she was healed. That's him? Mm -hmm. He raised a man from the dead. No, no, no. He raised a man from the dead. And all of a sudden, Ordinary people begin to come out of their houses. Wait a minute. This is that Jesus? This is who he is on that donkey? And they ran out. Just ordinary people. And, and what they would do is they began to climb up trees and grab palm branches down. Why? Why would they grab palm branches? Out in the field, there'd be these huge palm trees. They could be 80, 100 feet high. They'd climb up the trees, break the branches, and throw them down. And they would come out and they would wave them at this parade. You see, the palm branch represents victory. Why would they wave a palm branch that represents 
victory. These trees were everywhere. They were rather ordinary, but there was something special about these trees. They, oftentimes, if somebody would, would win like an Olympic event, they would be given a palm branch for success. As a matter of fact, there was, uh, they also call this uh, not just a palm tree, but a date tree. Some people would call this a phoenix tree. And the reason why they called this a phoenix tree is that you know that this tree, you could actually light this tree on fire and burn the tree and put the fire out, and this tree will actually begin to grow branches again. This tree has been known to come back to life. See why the palm branch is so important to this story? But these people, they're, they're grabbing these branches and they're waving them. They're essentially saying, look, victory. Here he comes, victory. They started shouting these words, Hosanna, Hosanna. The, the, the idea of, if you, if you take this word Hosanna, it splits essentially into two pieces. The first piece is this, deliver us, save us, help us. That's the first half of the word. The second half of the word is now. Deliver us now. Save us now, here are these ordinary people standing on the street, waving these palm branches. Victory, they're yelling. Victory, they're shouting. And they're saying, save us. Deliver us. We need delivery now. As this parade begins to break out through the city. So we look at this whole story and we say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Time out a second. So we've got an ordinary donkey We've got Jesus riding on the back of an ordinary donkey. He's in an ordinary parade. These ordinary people come out, and they begin to, to, to uh, wave around ordinary palm branches. Why are they getting so excited? Why would they get so excited? Have you thought about that for a minute? Since many of the people, the text tells us, some of the people didn't even know who Jesus was, why were they getting so excited? Well, if we go to Zechariah 9.9, the verse that, that John points to, we get an answer to that. Let's read the rest of Zechariah 9.9. You ready? Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Usually at Palm Sunday, we stop right there, right? And then we say, see, there he is. But it doesn't answer our question, why would these ordinary people be so excited? Keep reading. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Then he says, as for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners hope. Today I declare that I will restore you to double. Do you see what's going on here? Typically we say, oh, Palm Sunday, Zechariah 9.9, he came in on a donkey. We're all done. We wave palm branches. We call it a day. We forget or ask ourselves this question. Why were they so excited? Why were they so excited? So what if a guy's coming in on a donkey? And then we realize these people have been waiting a long time for this moment. All the way back to when they read the text of Zechariah 9.9, they had been waiting for somebody who's going to cut off their enemy. They were waiting for somebody who's going to essentially bring about global domination. 
right? They were waiting for somebody to set their captives free. They were waiting for somebody to set up a kingdom here on earth. They were waiting for somebody to save them from the oppression of Rome. They were so excited because this was going to be the guy that was going to build them a kingdom here on earth, and they were going to be happy and joyful, and he was going to destroy their enemies. And here's the problem. They were waiting for an ordinary hero. And Jesus was anything but an ordinary hero. They were waiting for somebody that could save them in an ordinary way, and that's not why Jesus came. They were excited because here he comes down the street, he's going to crush this place, and we're all going to get to sit next to him in his kingdom. And they missed the point completely. How do we know that he missed the point completely? Because from Sunday, they follow this Jesus, and before long, they see the same Jesus, the same Messiah, fall to his knees and get struck on the back by a whip. How do we know they got it wrong? Because this same Jesus is now laying on the ground and these soldiers take this crown and they make a crown out of a thorn branch and they press it into his head. They're digging into his skull while blood is coming down his face. And these people who are following him begin to step back. Okay, maybe this isn't the guy. How do we know they got it wrong? Because many of these same people who were yelling, Hosanna, 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 only a few days later were saying, crucify him, destroy him, hang him on that cross. Because they missed the point completely. They were waiting for an ordinary hero, and what Jesus came to do was anything but ordinary. They were waiting for somebody who was going to set up this global domination. But what they didn't realize is Jesus was bringing them fullness of joy. Jesus was bringing them freedom from spiritual oppression. Jesus was bringing them to break away from the law, break away from spiritual tyranny. What Jesus was coming to do was not to save them from the Romans, but to save us from ourselves. That we wouldn't have to suffer through death and dying, that he would do it instead. That's the point of the story. And these people weighing the palm branches, they missed it completely. And let's be honest, I miss it too. I miss it completely too. There's days that I'm waving my palm branches and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And there's days that I'm sitting here saying, crucify him as well. We miss it too. Question I ask you this morning is this. As you come here this morning to worship God and to serve God and to say, Jesus, you are my king, are you doing that because you want him to be there when you need to call on him? I do. Do, do, do you put these palm branches down because when life gets hard, you want to be able to reach out and say, hey, I served you when time was good and now you've got to come to my rescue? Or do you lay your palm branches down because we say this, you have saved us from death and sin and because of Christ, we can be alive do you, do you get that? Our relationship with Jesus is not about being filled up physically. It's not be about being filled up with food or, or seeing our sick get better or, or seeing 5,000 people be fed because that's what they wanted. They wanted a Jesus that would feed their people. They wanted a Jesus that would raise their dead. They wanted Jesus that would conquer Rome. I get caught in that same trap. 
I get caught from being the guy who says Hosanna to being the guy who says crucify him. And the truth is, is they missed it completely. They missed the point of Jesus completely. He was not an ordinary hero. He did not come to take on an ordinary enemy. He came to take on something special. And we follow Jesus' mission right to the cross. And regardless of whether you say Hosanna or you say crucify him, it doesn't change his mission. He didn't turn back when they started shouting something differently. He still went to the cross. Luke tells us at the end of his Palm Sunday story, he writes this. And when he drew, talking about Jesus, near and saw the city, he wept over it saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Jesus makes his way to the end of that parade and his heart just begins to break. His heart begins to break. We see him crying. We don't see Jesus often crying in the text and we see him crying and he's crying because he is thinking the same thing we are today. These people just don't get it. They wanted something ordinary. But Jesus was coming to do so much more on that Palm Sunday. He said this, if you knew, if only you knew how this thing ends, you would get it. But he said this, it's hidden from you. My friends, we know what the story is, right? We know why Jesus was crying. We know what it looks like for Jesus to go through that grueling process up to the cross while people are spitting in his face the same king that they were laying down these palm branches on this day later are spitting in his face because they've completely missed it. Here's my question to you this morning. Why is it that you lay palm branches at the feet of Christ. Do you, do you miss it? D- did you miss it? The story of Palm Sunday is about a group of people who were looking for something ordinary. And Jesus was anything but ordinary. So what do we do? What do we do with that? What do we do with a story about uh, an ordinary parade and an ordinary dawn? an ordinary crowd. What do we do with that story? Now that we know who Jesus is, here's what we do first. First of all, because it's Family Sunday, we need to ask adults in the room, we need your help. Maybe you're a parent, maybe you're an uncle, maybe you're a grandfather or grandmother, maybe you have a neighbor next door. There's lots of kids in our lives and we need to change the way that we live our life to help them. We need to disciple our children. We need to disciple our children. We need to lead them to Christ. And so for maybe you this morning, the challenge is, is how am I going to do that? How am I going to get involved in the lives of young ones to point them to Christ? We've got a way to help you with that. After the service today, when the kids take their filled out coloring sheets back to the table, we're going to have a table set back there of books and resources and devotionals and Bibles, all dedicated to your children. And we want you to look through them. If you don't have a devotion at home, if you don't have something at home that you go through with your child, if you don't have anything specific to keep you on track, take those resources. Take them. 
It, we don't want anybody to be constrained to discipling their child because they can't afford a Bible or a book. So there are books back at that table. There's a donation bin if you want to pay for them, but we don't want you to be held back from discipling your child because of money. So take those resources with you. Use them. Listen, if you're single this morning or you don't have children, you're not off the hook because we need your help too. You know, over the last couple of weeks, we've had close to 50 children ages fifth grade and below in this church. 50 children. If you do the math, it's going to take about 1,000 of us to raise them. Maybe more. Some of them are unruly. We need to work together. So if you're here this morning and you don't have children, you don't have nieces, you don't have nephews, we need your help. We need you to help us to train these children up to be like Christ. So that's what's important. That's the application for us this morning with our children. For everybody else, for all of us, here's the question I want to ask you. As we go into this Easter season, have you missed the point of Jesus? Have you missed it? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're not a Christian. Maybe you don't want to have a relationship with God. Somebody paid you off with lunch today. I would ask you this question. Who is Jesus to you? Because if Jesus to us is the one who rescued us from death and from sin, if Jesus is the one who went to that cross so that we didn't have to, if Jesus is the one that reconciled us before God, if he really is that God, if he really is that king, then that should make us change the way we live our lives. And the truth is, my friends, that means we should look different. We should just look different. Everything that we do should have a focus on, let me tell you about my king, because I don't want you to miss it. I need that reminder myself all the time. I miss it myself all the time. I try to create God into what I want him to be. Right? Many of us, we come to church, we let God out of his box. Then we go to lunch, we put him back in, we say, we'll talk to you next week. Because we've missed the point of who this king is. We've missed the point of his mission. Friends, if we really believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he came to this planet to rescue us from ourselves, from our own death, our own sin, our own greed, if we really believe that, then we should look completely different. We should look different. Not because we feel like we've got a list of do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs, because that should make us want to change the way we live our lives. Otherwise, we just come here and we have a small country club, right? Otherwise, we just come here and we talk about Jesus and we do our thing and it doesn't change the way we live our lives. Then we just started a small country club. Our mission, my friends, is to remove barriers that keep people from life with Christ. And if you really believe that Jesus is our king, that will change the way you live your life. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up. We're gonna pray. And I'm going to ask you in a few seconds, just as you bow your head, I want you to think, I want you to think through, ask God this, God, where is areas of my life I need to hand back over to you? Maybe while we're praying, I want you to say, God, where is it that I've missed it? God, what is it that I think about you that I've blown and I got it all wrong? Maybe some of us today, the question is, God, where can I dial it up? God, help me to find areas of my life where I can look different. Would you pray with me?
Father, we just thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. God, that your son would have that mission to the cross regardless of whether we shouted Hosanna or whether we shouted crucify him. The mission was clear. God, thank you for restoring us and reconciling us. God, help us not to miss it. God, I pray that you help us right now to find parts of our lives, areas of our lives that we've kept from you. God, areas of lives you want us to dial up. God, just lay these things on our heart. Lord, I just pray for the children and the parents who have children. Lord, just challenge us to find ways that we can teach them to be like your son. God, thank you for saving us. God, thank you for delivering us. Thank you for rescuing us. God, thank you for sending your son and his mission to the cross. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.